Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This episode of the Power Ranking Show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and the easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games that are available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEF for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Well, and that was the voice of Marcus Mosher. That is at Marcus underscore Mosher. This is the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and we have been um, uh, off for a few days. And uh, we were going to do one last night. Marcus got lazy and play a little flag football. Yeah, and also I was dealing with this little neck thing, throat thing. Good, good. Yeah. I guess sore throat. I'll, I'll battle through it though. Too many Red Bulls. Oh, yeah, many trying to amp yourself things. up for what? Would you say you caught one pass for ten yards in your? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, it might have been more like seven yards, but it's fine. It would have been like a nice one point seven points in PPR leagues. Probably would have uh, hurt me last week, but it's fine. Actually, in modern fantasy scoring, that'd be like three point seven points because That's you true. lined you know, up. You got a point. I, I was. I lined up correctly. Wasn't offsides. Yeah, nice burst off the line of scrimmage. So, well, that's because also wide receivers are so 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 valuable, unlike uh, running backs, which is what we're uh, going to talk about today. Uh, about. Yes. So last week, uh, we or not last week, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how um, running backs the, their contracts were becoming a big issue, and they had had a a conference call with an agent, a conference Zoom call with an agent about what they could do about it. Then we talked to you guys about quarterbacks and, and Marcus talking about how they were under uh, Patrick Mahomes was underpaid. So we've actually been talking a lot about the finances of football. We did not intend to talk about it again. And uh, and here we are because there's been some kind of big updates to this. And one of the major, major news stories, uh, kind of overarching stories of training camp right now is what's going on with the Colts, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so, I want to get Marcus, you to explain that here in just a second, but uh, you might think, well, does this kind of stuff like really matter? And I would say it absolutely does because it really speaks to team building and how teams are not only going to approach camp and the regular season, but also next year's draft. And, you know, we always have Marcus and of course, Chad come on and talk draft. So we're going to get to that in a second. I say, I will get that, get to that in a second, because I just want to ask you real quick. Do you think any of the kind of camp storylines, whether they be injuries or contract situations, has had the same tone as this Jonathan Taylor thing from the owner, just the kind of disrespect? It's weird, right? There's a lot of different parts to this, right? You've got an owner who's being very vocal on Twitter, which is always a bad idea in general. <laughs> yeah. You've yeah. got one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, not practicing for a variety of, uh, of reasons. You've got Jonathan Taylor's agent, who is also very vocal on Twitter, saying that this relationship can never be paired or repaired. And listen, I, I, I hate to put it this way, but there's also the fantasy managers on Twitter 
that are really upset about this because Jonathan Taylor widely regarded as a top you know, 15 pick in your fantasy leagues. And now there's a lot of uncertainty going on. So it just feels like there's a lot of tension built up here. And I don't know when this is going to get resolved, Elliot. So this would be what year four, Jonathan Taylor's rookie year was 2020, uh, 2021, Jonathan Taylor, arguably the best back in the league, scored 20 touchdowns, had a huge year rushing the ball, was clutch, mm-hmm. had some big breakaway runs. I think he had a big one against the Patriots, if I recall, uh, on game. a, yep. yeah, what, what was that? It was on a Thursday night game. He That's right. dominated Probably. the Colts. Yep. Yeah. Or dominated the Patriots. Yep. And then last year he got banged up. Not a great year for the Colts. Uh, also, Tons of offensive problems for the Colts last year. The offensive line didn't play well. Matt Ryan uh, signing did not work out, uh, yada, yada. So now you have a running back in his fourth year who's still a really young player. I think he's, what, 24 years old. Yeah. And and yet the team not only doesn't want to pay him, but they're out and out making it sound like Jonathan Taylor is just some JUCO guy, uh, junior college, sorry for the uh, acronym, you know, that, uh, you know, ran for 400 yards last year or something like that. So it's odd to me. Let me just recap everything that's happened in the last week and a half, because I think the timeline here is very, very important. So Jonathan Taylor did not practice at all this offseason. He was dealing with a foot injury that he had last year. He got surgery on it, still recovered. It's fine. That happens all the time. He goes to training camp, doesn't practice, still kind of dealing with this, but it's reportedly he's close to being ready to practice. Jim Irsay sends out this wild tweet about how it's a privilege to play in the NFL and all that kind of stuff. Jonathan Taylor's agent gets on Twitter and says how bad the relationship is. A couple of days ago, Jim Irsay invites Jonathan Taylor into his, uh, basically it's like a camper on the practice facility. Did he and play the su- guitar for him? Sorry. Probably. Yeah. Uh, as soon as that meeting is over, we get a tweet from Adam Schefter that says John Taylor has demanded a trade and he would like traded. Jim Irsay then says, we're not trading John Taylor now. We're not trading him in October either. He's playing out his contract. And then we get the news that uh, Jonathan Taylor says, I'm not going to practice because I, I, you know, I hurt my back a little bit this off season. I'm holding in. That's kind of the new thing is to mm-hmm. hold in. Yep. So, the Colts say, okay, you're going on NFI, which is non-football injury because you hurt yourself, not at our facility. We're not going to pay you now. That's where we're at. Yeah, so a little gamesmanship by Jonathan Taylor's camp didn't work. But this, the reason we're talking about this is really a larger point because we, we brought this up a few weeks ago. Uh, Marcus talked about the idea of the NFL um, putting some kind of market correction for running backs not getting paid and running backs saying, look, we're taking a beating out there both financially and physically. We're going to get to that in a second, excuse me as well, but we've had major running back contract news. And I think this affects the kind of thinking that's influencing Robert Ursay, at least in my opinion, is the same kind of thinking that's prevalent on Twitter and out there in the, the football commentary sphere. And I think it's had a big impact on both Saquon Barkley uh, and Tony Pollard situation. So how do you, let's just start there uh, before we get into your whole idea of running backs don't matter. How do you view Jonathan Taylor's situation contractually versus what Saquon Barkley went through this offseason and Tony Pollard? It's a little different because Jonathan Taylor's already been a first team all pro. 
He has led the NFL in rushing yards, and there's no fifth-year option to hold over him like the Giants held with Saquon Barkley. Um, and I also think it's a little weird because Jonathan Taylor hasn't played a lot in the last year because of some injuries that even date back to his time at Wisconsin. So I can see from the Colts front office point of view, like why they're a little hesitant to give him money before he maybe plays a little bit more. But at mm-hmm. the same time, Elliot, I think you can make a case that he's like either the best or the second best pure runner of the football in the league. He's just so much more proven than what like a Tony Pollard is. And I frankly, I think he's more proven than Saquon Barkley. It's why I, I am kind of shocked that the Colts have taken this hard stance on Jonathan Taylor already. In terms of the money involved with Saquon and Pollard, uh, do you feel like these guys are overpaid right now? So I think what they're both getting paid ten point one million dollars. Approx. Approx. I would say I don't think they're being overpaid. It's just really hard sometimes to have a ten million dollar cap hit all in one year on a, mm-hmm. a, on your books. Sometimes it's easier to have a long term deal, even if it averages out to ten million a year, just because of the way that you can kind of manipulate that money. But I would say in a vacuum, ten million's probably a little higher than I would pay, but close enough that it's not it's negligible, right? Boy, you're you're very very close, uh, Tony Pollard. Ten million ninety one thousand. Nice, yeah. nice work. <laughs> You're very, very, very close. I okay. might know those numbers so, fairly well. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, uh, shameless plug. No, really, shameless plug for you. Uh, Locked on Cowboys. Catch up with Landon McCool. Thank you. Give Landon a follow. He's a big supporter of our work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. You have often said, and this is something Marcus and I have talked about a lot over the last few days on the phone. Marcus has a, been a big believer. Uh, that running backs don't matter. And I don't agree with that assessment. Um, I, I don't want to characterize or paraphrase what you think about it. So I'll let you. I'll, let I'll, you be, give, I'll, I'll yeah. be very brief. I think the running game matters, but the difference in a running back between your RB one and RB two is probably so small that I don't know. I don't think it has a major impact over the course of a season. And yes, I Tony Pollard is better than, in the Cowboys case, a Malik Davis. But is he, is he $10 million better? I would say probably not, especially if you can spend that other $10 million wisely. So in a vacuum, I think the best strategy is, is to draft running backs somewhere between the second and fifth round, use them, and then move on when their contracts are up. So I'm going to attack this from two different angles. One is I could totally understand why running backs are upset. Mm-hmm. They Absolutely. are not protected by the rules at all, uh, whereas wide receivers and quarterbacks are. They handle the ball the second most on the offense. No, I'm not counting the center. Um, what other sport do we have that? If you're the second, you know, kind of puck handler in the NHL or second goal scorer on a team, you are paid. If you are the second best starting uh, pitcher in a rotation, you are paid. If you are a shooting guard or a small forward in the NBA, you are paid. The NFL is the only spot where literally the league is basically, yep, these are our guys. These are the guys that are handling the ball all the time. These are the guys that are getting beat up. We're so worried about player safety, yet none of them matter and they shouldn't be paid. Uh, Because that's really the message that Ursay is sending. And I think that's kind of the message that Saquon Barkley felt like he was getting this offseason. And so there's that angle of it. Then there's the other part of it. If running backs don't matter, then something has to, right? 
And what I've always been told by you and what I've seen from the kind of the Twitter analytics crowd is that top WR1s absolutely do matter. Wide receiver matters and running backs don't. And I push back hard on that. I think wide receivers, top wide receivers matter very little, uh, very little more. The discrepancy is small if they are more valuable than top flight running backs. But I think that this has become a let's pile on a once glamorous position so that we can sound smart. And people tend to like to be negative on Twitter. So when there's some group think and there's a punching bag, everyone jumps in. And for some reason, running back has become that position. I mean, when is the last time you saw a hashtag that said guards don't matter? Well, if you go to the, the fantastic website, LBs don't matter, uh, mm-hmm. that takes you right to my Twitter account. So somebody already is out there believing that linebackers <laughs> don't matter. So I have seen that one, but that's about it. Okay. So let's let's just start with guards real quick. Uh, this is an easy place to start because, look, you cover the Cowboys, and I would say the most famous guard in the league plays for the Cowboys. They're certainly one of the two or three, yes. Who's also and holding out right now. Exactly, who actually has a contract situation. Um, there's no question Zach Martin um, has been paid a lot of money so far in his career. And if you told somebody <clears throat> that the Cowboys, um, you know, weren't going to pay Zach Martin at all, I think people would push back on that. Now, some people don't want him to pay him too to pay him too much money, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Zach Martin has been in the league for 10 years and kind of tearing up existing contracts and all that stuff. We're not going to get into all that. What I want to basically say is that if I were to say to this kind of group think that running back matters every bit as much as guard does, they would say no way and guards deserve more money because offensive line is so important. And that is such a, uh, a disingenuous argument to me because offensive line is made up of five guys. It's about a cohesive unit. And I would argue that one guard does not make as big a difference on the field as a top flight running back does, even a Pro Bowl guard. Am I way off on so that? So I think it depends on what makes something valuable is – if there's a lot of them or there's a little bit of them. like, I'm going to show you like there's a football card. I just bought today. It's a Michael Vick card. It's numbered oh, out of no. 50, right? It's the only one that's a 10 out of 10, right? This is just an excuse for me to show football cards off of the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. this card is valuable because there's only 50 of them ever made. Right. Mm-hmm. But okay. I've got, other, I've got other cards. Here's a, just a Jalen Tolbert card that they made 20,000 of them. This card's worth nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. I think with guards, how many, how many great guards do we have in the NFL right now? True. Fair. Uh, probably not even five, honestly. But how many awesome running backs do we have in the league right now? I, I think there's quite a few. How many teams right now are looking at the running back room and it's like, you know what? We don't like who we have. Okay. I think that's a, a little bit different in the how, sense how, that. How many, how many elite running backs do you think we have in the league right now? Elite? Or let's say guys that you think could be same amount as guards. I say I think I, I think I would push back because we can just do it really quickly. Is Nick Chubb on that list? Yes. Is Christian McCaffrey? Yes. Is Jonathan Taylor? I think so. Okay, and, and that's fine if you want to because of the injury. Yeah. Is Austin Eckler on that list? Yes. Is Derrick Henry on that list? Yes. Uh, Tony Pollard. Yeah, I think so because of his home run ability. Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, that's eight, right? Say his, put some respect on his name. 
I know she's really good. Led the NFL in rushing yards, as we like to remind yeah. you on every single yeah, show. That's right. I, there are a lot of really good running backs in the NFL where, as with guards, and you have to start two of them. I think that's the difference is you've got to start two guards every single week, but the running back, you only need to play one. There's just not that okay. many of those guys. Okay. So, obviously, you cover the Cowboys. We'll use the Cowboys. If Zach Martin doesn't play week one, who's starting at right guard? I believe it's probably Chuma Doga. Okay, Chuma Doga. Um, how much do you think that will hurt the Cowboys? Quite a bit. Quite a bit because there might be some pressure in Dak Prescott's face. Yeah. Uh, Zach Martin is a veteran. I have no question it'll hurt them. Will it hurt them as much as if uh, Tony Pollard doesn't play and it's Malik Davis all game? I think the Cowboys case, yeah, it would. I, because, I mean, let's just use this. If we're using this example, they play the Giants in week one. And you're going up against Dexter Lawrence and okay. Leonard Williams. I don't know if you can have a replacement level guard in there and feel like you can run the ball and have any type of success. I don't think Tony Pollard's going to have any holes if Zach Martin's not in the game, especially with okay. a Terrence Steele that's hurt. I think it's arguable, but I think, you know, it's it's probably pretty even. It's it, Either one is going to hurt them greatly. Do you think those two positions are treated equally like that? No. 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 Running backs are dogged on, crapped on. Which is funny, though, that it's, it, it's switched it's, so much. Because, I mean, 20 yes. years ago, nobody cares about offensive line play. That's just yes. a – nobody knows anything about it anyway, so let's just ignore it. Yes. So if you're wondering, okay, but why are we talking about running back contracts? Because I think this Jonathan Taylor situation is the first major salvo in what could really be what was just kind of been speculated on as truly problematic where we're not going to have any great running backs paid anymore. Like Christian McCaffrey is going to be one of the last and yeah. that literally this, the, the football is going to change um, because the, the, the less you're willing to pay, Running backs, there are going to be elite college athletes that may that really do think I have a great chance of the pros that aren't going to want to play running back. Is that fair to say? I, I think it's possible, but you're still probably only talking about like five to eight players that are probably worried about that, right? Because how many of these second running backs even deserve or second contract running backs even deserve a big deal? It's it's not very many. Okay, but you're also going to see fantasy change as well. Uh, I think fantasy might change to where you don't have to play two running backs anymore and you only have to play one running back. So I think fantasy football is going to change. And then strategy on the NFL field uh, is more and more teams decide no matter how good our running back is, we are not going to pay these guys and guys don't want to play where they're getting beat up for a small amount of money. So they might hold out or hold in or want to even maybe play a different position. Uh, I'm talking about young players coming up then NFL teams are going to have to literally change their offensive strategy. We've talked about it a lot, but we haven't seen a broad sweeping change yet. I think we could be headed there. Let's go to the passing game, though. We've seen a broad sweeping change in the passing game over the last couple of decades. You think that wide receivers are worth way more than running backs are. So I do. what I presented to you on the phone, I'm going to present right now to our listeners. Would you agree... Well, first of all, how much more valuable do you think a number one wide receiver is than a number one running back? Based not only on your thoughts, but just what has the market told us? What is the market? So how do we us? want to qualify like this by wins, like wins per season? Or Let's just go on what they're getting paid. So 
you know, once Saquon get paid this year, was it 10 point, 10, point was 10, 10 and change? Yes. Yeah. We just talked about that. My bad. What did Devonte Adams get last year? 30. Yeah. 30, 30. Okay. That's three times as much money. Is Devonte Adams three times more valuable than Saquon Barkley? Can you honestly say that? I don't know about three times, but I would say definitely more valuable. Okay. I have no problem with incrementally more valuable, but I don't think that's what running backs are complaining about. And I think that's, you have such a market overcorrection based on flawed data, Twitter hate, and GMs becoming susceptible, uh, excuse me, susceptible to kind of this permeate, this money ball kind of look at running backs. Can I can I give you another reason why like Devonte Adams is just a better investment at thirty million than Saquon sure. at, at ten? Because with with wide receivers, it's just a position that can age a lot better. And I think from year to year, you just know what you're getting. I mean, we have over the last eight years, Devonte Adams has missed like four starts, and he's been. 1,400 yards, 1,300 yards, 1,500 yards, 1,500 yards, sure. leading the NFL in reception, or touchdown receptions at you know two of the last three years. Where Saquon's been really banged up. It hasn't been able to stay on the field. It hasn't been super effective. I think that's the other thing is if, if you're the Giants, I think you'd rather pay somebody like Devontae, who you know is going to be on the field and going to produce, rather than a Saquon who, when he's on the field, he's usually pretty good, but he has a hard time staying on it. I understand that argument in a vacuum. I do in a vacuum, but I don't understand that argument in today's NFL. If you're worried that a guy like Saquon's not going to be able to last, then you don't guarantee all the money. It's that simple. You, 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 you build in tiers based on how much they're available to play, not how much the coach plays them because the coach could pull them off the field. If he gets a call from upstairs. Well, I think that's what happened with the, in the, negotiations with Saquon is I think the Giants wanted to cover themselves a little bit by saying, Hey, we'll guarantee you money as long as you're active and playing. And Saquon didn't want that. He wanted fully guaranteed money that matched Christian McCaffrey. And I just don't think the Giants had any interest in doing that with his injury history. Yeah. I understand that for a long-term deal. I don't have a problem with that. But if the argument was from all the super smart people, putting that in air quotes, uh, if the argument was, Look, paying a wide receiver long-term that's a number one top flight guy is just a better bet than paying a running back. I'd have no problem with that. But that's a far cry from running backs don't matter and people literally treating these guys like they're interchangeable parts that have no talent. That's a totally different deal to me. And I know that we're in a day and age of chance, little group think chance that people like to make. Uh, I won't use any examples. Um, but you know, in my mind, okay, I I know you kind of like the rapid fire questioning. So let's, let's just do a fun one here. Top five, number one wide receivers right now in your, in your mind. Uh, I'd go Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase. Fifth one gets a little tricky. Uh, let's go AJ Brown. Okay. And I would go. Your first three, I'd go uh, definitely Jefferson one. I'd go Adams two. I'd go Hill three. I'd probably go Cooper Cup four That's a good and one. Chase five. Okay, five. but and we we didn't mention Stephon Diggs either. He could probably oh, creep I think in I, there. I'll, I'll put Diggs instead of Brown. I'm sorry. Yeah, 
And I think C.D. Lamb really made an impact last year. He'd certainly be in my top 10 while we're talking about Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So two of our top three guys changed teams last year. They were on, they were, they were out there in the marketplace. Okay. One was Devontae Adams and one was Tyreek Hill. Now, if wide receivers, top flight, number one wide receivers are so valuable and as valuable as the analytics and Twitter people tell me they are, then four out of four things should have been true, or at the very least, at least three out of four things should have been true. And here's what they are. Here are those four things. The Packers should have been worse because Devontae Adams left. The Raiders should have been better because Devontae Adams arrived. The Chiefs should have been worse because Tyreek Hill left. And the Dolphins should have been better because Tyreek Hill arrived. So and Tyreek really, Hill was better, right? Or sorry, the Dolphins, Dolphins were, were better. better. The Dolphins yes. were better. The yes. Chiefs uh, won the were, Super Bowl. Won the Super Bowl. Their offense wasn't really worse, but it wasn't really better either. It was about the no. same. And Andrew Reid's a magician. So that's, yeah. that's one for you. Now, the Raiders scored more points in 2022. Their offense got significantly better, but their record got worse. It, and, their car, and their quarterback regressed. Derek Carr just didn't play well. That's why yes. he's not there anymore, right? Yes. Uh, now, Devontae Adams himself had arguably the best season of his career. I mean, he was sure. awesome. Uh, so I, I'm going to even call him that one a wash because there was just – they changed systems. The quarterback got worse. The defense mm-hmm. was worse. It's whatever. Now, the Packers did get a lot worse on offense. However, is that because Rodgers was aging? Was it because they didn't get him adequate weapons around him? I I, I don't know. But I just know that they, they were a worse offense and a worse team without Devontae. Or also, there's a lot of speculation about how much he was buying in. I mean, I, mean, I think that's it, fair as well. Flirting with Jeopardy. I would push back on the Raiders – yeah, their offense scored more points. Who was the Raiders' offensive MVP last year? Was it yeah, I mean, I mean, it was Devontae and Josh Jacobs. Those two guys were amazing. Jacobs had what about two thousand fifty yards from scrimmage, something like that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, is it? I mean, it, be fair Adams that. Adams had fifteen hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns, which is a great. Hey, which is yeah. which is a great year. A great year. It's not better than Jacob's year, but it's a great year. Would it be fair to at least say that Derek Carr regressed Absolutely. last year? But that, and okay. It's not even a question. Okay. So my point is, first of all, if if those things happened, then how can wide receiver just so unequivocally be considered um, you know, so much more valuable? Now, if you say, hey, man, that's really anecdotal. You're cherry picking. I took the two best receivers on the free agent market. But let's move that to the side. Would you agree that on the majority of NFL snaps, there are three wide receivers on the field and one running back? Yes. So is it really fair to compare one running back versus one, you know, a wide receiver? In other words, for every one running back, there's three starting wide receivers. Sure. I think in today's NFL, both both in perception and in the finances, both teams and these kind of um, analysts view the WR2 as also more valuable than the RB1. I would so agree. Yeah. if we go back to the original, well, we'll just go back to Dallas again. The WR2, Michael Gallup. Michael no, I, Gallup is. I would think last year, 
this okay. is a great point for you. Tony Pollard was significantly more valuable than Michael Gallup. It's not even close. So you've got okay. me there. What's Michael Gallup making this year? $13 million. Mm-hmm. And Tony Pollard's making 10 Do you think that there is anyone that watches the Cowboys that would rather have Michael Gallup than Tony Pollard? No. This is what I mean. This is now, asinine. But if, you, but if you mention the other receiver, Brady sure. Cooks, that's different. I think I think Cooks now is more valuable than Pollard. Oh, you think Cowboy fans would rather have Brandon Cooks than Tony yes. Pollard? I okay. disagree 100%. Okay. I think the Cowboys proved and would be able to win games without Brandon Cooks. If they're having to play Malik Davis the whole year at running back, I think this team would have a hard time getting over nine and eight. I think Brandon Cooks is more important for them trying to reach a Super Bowl than Tony Pollard is. Maybe if you look at it from the standpoint, if both of them are healthy, that Brandon Cooks pushes this team over the top. But if I have to have either or and their replacement, I'd be interested to take a Twitter poll on this. If you ask Cowboy fans, okay, you have to remove one of these guys and their replacement plays the entire year. Who are the Cowboys better without? Are they better without Brandon Cooks or are they better without Tony Pollard? I think people are going to agree with me on that. It's possible. I I think the Cowboys have shown before that they can get adequate running back production. But Dak Prescott very much needs a certain type of receiver to be super, super successful. And if you're going to outscore a team like the Eagles or you're going to put up points against the 49ers, you better have multiple people in the passing game that can get open and that can win with quickness. And last year they only had one. If they were to lose Brandon Cooks, they only have one again in CeeDee Lamb. Well, that's another thing a good running back does for you is help you in the passing game. Now, that's not a good point for Jonathan Taylor, who we kind of jumped off you yeah. know, off this cliff with. But I think Tony Pollard made some big plays in the passing game sure. last year. And Christian McCaffrey, who you brought up earlier, is fantastic in the passing game. Austin Eckler, who you brought up early, is absolutely fantastic in the passing game. Um, you know, it's interesting, Just and we're not going to get into this, but if Dak Prescott is really that good, as I'm told he is, then I don't know why he would only be successful if they had Brandon well, all right, let me, get, let, me, let me give you a different team. I thought one of the biggest reasons that Jalen Hurts made a massive leap last year was the addition of A.J. Brown. And I think if you asked Philadelphia fans, hey, you can have a top five running back in the league to pair with mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, or we can give you a top seven receiver like A.J. Brown. Who would you rather have? I think it's A.J. Brown because you don't have to be very accurate with I agree. A.J. Brown. Hey, He's hey, going to make plays after the catch. I agree. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I would rather have A.J. Brown, who is a certifiable WR1, right? Mm-hmm. We could argue whether he's the fifth best receiver or the seventh best, or he's somewhere in that middle kind of tier, right, of the top guys. Yes, I would rather have him than uh, Tony Pollard. Now, what about Devontae Smith? Would you rather have Devontae Smith or Tony Pollard? Oh, that's – boy, that's – that's even Steven to me. That's even Steven. Uh, now, Philadelphia also has the luxury of having an awesome tight end in Dallas Goddard. So they've got three guys. But I I just saw how much the one addition of a sure. really good receiver made Jalen Hurts from a guy where I wondered if Philadelphia needed to move on from him after the 2021 postseason to – he almost was the MVP of the league and almost won a Super Bowl the following year. 
Okay, so if we use, let's use the Eagles. They acquire A.J. Brown. They're, he has a great year. It's kind of funny. He wasn't really considered for any MVP talk, but boy, did he make them awesome. a, a better team. We both agree he's somewhere in that fifth to seventh range as a top wide receiver. And we both agree that he's more valuable than Tony Pollard. I think Devontae Smith, Tony Pollard is pretty doggone close. I suspect you do as well. Isn't there a difference between that and saying running backs don't matter? I mean, there's saying A.J. Brown is better than Tony Pollard is a vastly different argument than running backs don't matter. I think the overall belief the running back doesn't matter is it's really mostly dependent on how well you block, right? If you block for seven, most running backs are going to get seven. There's going to be the occasional one that gets you 14 on a run that's blocked seven or whatever. But the problem is year over year, it's hard to count on those guys because the running back position takes a lot of hits, as you've mentioned over and over. So rather than investing a lot of money long-term, just pick up any running back in the second or third round, do it every couple of years, and the name won't matter as much, but you'll get the same type of production year over year. I would, I would actually argue that running backs are tremendously undervalued in the NFL. So Devontae Adams, who we, we talked about, made $30 million. What did Josh Jacobs make last year? So he was playing on the last year of his rookie deal. I think it was like $5 million because he was a first-round pick. Yeah. Was Devontae Adams worth six times more to the Raiders than Josh Jacobs? No, he wasn't. But even look at the way that the Raiders viewed this a year ago. They could have had him for $7 million for this upcoming season, and they said, no thanks. We're good. We're going to decline your fifth-year option because you haven't been able to stay healthy, and your production yeah. has dropped a lot. So even the Raiders didn't know Josh Jacobs was going to have that type of year. And yeah. just to point this out, I remember calling you on the Hall of Fame game night where Josh Jacobs got 14 carries because the Raiders were trying to figure out whether he was going to make the team or not. Yeah. So – does that speak poorly of Josh Jacobs or the Raiders? Oh, it's. I think it's the Raiders more than anything. Yes, here. yes. So that gets it, me to my last but point. But it also shows you a little bit like if Josh Jacobs wasn't this player in the first three years, what happened? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so do you think groupthink is a little bit of an issue in our society right now? I don't know. I have to go ask my, my DMs and see what they think. <laughs> Okay, so oh man, I could have said something, and I'm just <laughs> not gonna do it. Oh gosh! All right, so here's the thing, man. If the Raiders didn't even want to pay Josh Jacobs, you know, seven million dollars, and the guy had two thousand yards from scrimmage, okay, two thousand fifty-three. Well, they didn't know then, that at the time, but go ahead. Yeah, but that's on their evaluation. Yeah, that's on their evaluation. What my point is is that a lot of GMs in the league and analysts' evaluation on this stinks, and it's wrong. And it's just another thing that's just a trend where one person gets influenced by other people. And if you don't think the NFL is doesn't do that, why do you think it got called the copycat league? It's become a thing where now GMs – look, it used to be in the 80s, GMs listened to sports radio just like everybody else. Don't you think GMs are on Twitter – or on social media, they see what's out there just like anybody else. If you're a 38-year-old GM, Marcus, uh, 
are you just totally impervious to what everyone that's your age around you says about running backs not mattering? Yeah. Is there any way you can humanly not let that seep into your brain? No, I, I think you're right. I would also say I think NFL teams are just bad at evaluating running backs. I mean, look no further than like the Chiefs in the 2020 draft since we're talking about Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. They had a chance to draft Jonathan Taylor who was this height, weight, speed freak. Ran a 4-3-4 40-yard dash at 230 pounds. Super productive at Wisconsin. Instead, they took a 5'7", 200-pound running back in the first round ahead of Jonathan Taylor. Somebody who didn't even start at LSU. And there's so many examples over the last uh, however many years. Bill Belichick, he took Sony Michelle, somebody coming off a major knee injury, who didn't start at Georgia Head of Nick Chubb, who went two picks later to the Browns. So I just think teams are really bad at evaluating these running backs. I think if I were a running back like Christian McCaffrey, I would. I think I would say, you know, I love being with the 49ers. I love playing football, but scouting departments don't matter. I would. And I would well, say – It might, and be, then, it and might then be kind of hard for John Lynch to be in there. John okay, but then when somebody – Okay, but then when somebody said, you know, that's a bad attitude, I would say, why? Everybody says running backs don't matter. Why can't I say that? Like, I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think for the most part, there are a couple good GMs in the league, and most of them are bad. Like, they just are. My and, – and same with the analysts. Look, I don't mean – like, I don't want to sound like I'm smarter than the other analysts out there. I stink at a lot of things. I just can't stand when people can't think creatively for themselves. Like, just come up with your own ideas. You know, like this, as I told you, do you ever see people say Zach Martin doesn't matter ever? No. Never. Okay. Um, let's take a team. What was the team I used with you on the phone? Just so we can, so we'll kind of hop off of these major people. and Let's just go to like a, okay, let's take the Jags. The Jags sure. improved last year. They went, what, nine and eight. Would you agree probably the two biggest factors in the Jags making the playoffs were the hiring of Doug Peterson because of the Urban Meyer debacle? Okay. <laughs> that was probably where wins is said. So. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the other part of that would be Trevor Lawrence's big step forward. Uh, I think those are one and two without a doubt. Now, if you ask me to pick a third one, uh-huh. I think I would say Christian Kirk arriving because before that – Trevor Lawrence okay. just didn't have anybody to throw to. Okay. Now, it's not like Christian Kirk's an awesome receiver, but he got a competent player that helped the passing attack get better. Okay. That's fine. You, I mean, you've got to have a player there. Yeah, so, you do. All right. So Christian Kirk, if I memory serves, I believe he got $20 million, about. I think it was 18 with some incentives yeah. or something. Some funny money in there. Yep. yep. Okay. Zay Jones got 10 I think That's Evan Ingram got 11 ish Tight end, they signed him. That proved to be a pretty decent deal for Jacksonville. And Brandon Sheriff got 16, I believe. Okay, I'm I'm going off my head here. All right. Brandon Sheriff gets $16 million, okay? And the Colts don't want to pay Jonathan Taylor what? What do you think is the high water mark the Colts want to pay Jonathan Taylor? If you just have to guess more. I'm going to say 13. Is tops, okay? Tops. You telling me that brand of sheriff is more important and integral? I mean, I want to I want to talk to the one guy who's like, "Come oh, man, let me tell you. You know why the Jags made the playoffs and beat the Chargers last year because of Zay Jones and Brandon Sheriff, yeah. both but- of whom make more, <laughs> both of whom who make more than almost every RB one in the league." 
But you also know how the open market works, right? There's just more teams with a guard need than a running back need, and that put you know kind of artificially pushes up Brandon Sheriff's value. But I think in a vacuum, if you told the Colts, hey, you could have Brandon Sheriff for Jonathan Taylor, I think they would take Jonathan Taylor. Okay. So what I'm saying here is a couple things. One, like I said, I've had bad takes. I've had so many bad takes. So uh, what's your worst me. one? I thought Terrell Pryor was going to just be huge for the, me, for Washington. Me too. I, as a wide receiver? Because I also yeah. thought he was going to be good as a quarterback. So that's yeah. probably the worst take. <laughs> so I realize that I am being really hard on and, – and there are so many smart analytics people. There really are. You're one of them. I'm just so frustrated with this con- – I see it all the time about how running backs don't matter. I never, ever hear somebody say, hey, you know what? Zay Jones doesn't matter. You know, hey, you know what? Brandon Sheriff doesn't matter. You know what? Guards don't. So why is it such a thing to bag on these guys? And here's why I feel like it's such an odd flex. Because these guys get battered more than anybody. We're so concerned about player safety. Look, I'm not saying that offensive linemen don't get hit on the knees. Sometimes it's it sucks. Like a, a tight end will be blocking next to you. They get blocked into the back of your knee and you, you see that hyperextension injury yep. all the time. Did that, is it, was that what happened to Terrence Steele this year? I'm trying to remember yes. yep. that's how his injury happened. Um, you do see wide receivers still occasionally take some big hits, but dude, who takes more big hits than running backs? I mean, how are they protected compared I mean, to they're not right? They're not. How many hits on a knee does a running back take per game? I would say <laughs> at least eight. They're the only position to leave that you can hit helmet to helmet and not be a penalty. Right. That's right. And yes, they run out of bounds sometimes, but if a guy gets 17 touches like Austin Eckler, he's going to get banged on the knee probably at least eight times. Some of those are going to be broken tackles. It just doesn't happen to wide receivers hardly at all. You can't hit a defenseless receiver. Quarterbacks, boy, you get near their knees and it's a flag right away. And if it's not, Tom Brady's asking for it. And then, yes, occasionally the lineman is going to have somebody roll into them, but that might happen once or twice a game. I, it just seems like an odd flex for this community who cares so much about player safety, for for GMs who know that they're going to be putting the ball in these guys' hands, for us to just treat these players like they're just a bunch of nobodies with no talent that don't matter. It's weird. I mean, I get it. I also think one of the reasons that you've seen this big pushback is because there's just a lot more numbers and data that you can use on a running back rather than a guard, right? Like we can see if a running back's yards per carry are falling every year. We can see if, uh, you know, we can see his efficiency and his success rate. It's a little bit harder to judge that with a guard other than if you're just using like PFF grades, right? So it's a little bit easier to make that case. And I think for people watching at home, it's just easier to see like if a running back has lost his juice compared to whether an offensive lineman's technique is off, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's fair. I guess the last part of this, and this isn't really the analytics Twitter community. I don't, I, you know what? I shouldn't even put those two together because they're not the same thing. No, no. And I think it's more the Twitter community than the analytics community. Uh, I've just noticed that there was some of that uh, going on a couple of years ago. I would say it's more, in this case, the football community about of what I'm about to say. It bothers me so much when people control the parameters of an argument. And then they win the argument because they've controlled the parameters of it. So, for example, 
if the argument is, well, running back, this is why he's not valuable because they get used up and we're, most teams don't sign him to a second deal anyway. So it's just not, well, who's the one that's deciding to not sign him to a second deal? You yeah. are the yeah. person that's making the argument. Who's the one that gives him the ball? Uh, you know, Edron James, bro. You know how many touches he had his first two years in the league? No, do you want to, seven, do you want to venture a seven, guess? 750? 881. <laughs> 881. His third year, he got uh, hit his knee. Uh, do you remember who replaced him? Uh, Dominic Rhodes, right? Yeah, and Dominic Rhodes did a great job. And I think it started kind of way back then where people like, hey, we could just have a guy like Dominic Well, Rhodes I think it started or- before that, Terrell Davis, right? Oh, right, right with the Broncos. Oh, yeah, we're going to get the Alex Gibbs blame here? Yeah, well, Alex Gibbs deserves yeah. a lot of credit is what I'm saying. Yeah. So here's what has happened. Teams have given the running backs these workload. They don't want to sign him to a second contract without inviting him to a trailer and playing the guitar for him. And then on top of that, they've taken the creativity out of the position. We just want you to one cut and go. I mean, could you imagine if you like told Picasso, now listen, we're going to give you some watercolors and we'd like for you to just take this little set of watercolors and we want you to watch Bob Ross videos mm-hmm. and that's the parameters in which you'll work, you know? So uh, it's no wonder that they're treated like this. And it's, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm the guy that's like campaigning for running, running backs. Like it's, matter. you know, whatever. Yeah, you can get but, running backs better. That domain is still available if you want it. But I think for me, it's more that I see the, the game of pro football changing fundamentally And sometimes I don't really believe in these platitudes that are the basis basis for changing. It's almost like, Marcus, if we were, if you and I were doing a ranking of quarterbacks, let's say, and we used passer rating as our foundation for all of our arguments, what a corrupt piece of data to use. I feel like the basis that, whether it's the Twitter crowd or, one analytics person that I'm now blaming the whole analytics community for. I'm sorry, everyone. I apologize. I do. I apologize. Or GMs. Yeah. They're all taking this, like a baseline corrupt piece of data and it's grown into a narrative and now it's just nauseating. And I'm wondering like, who's next? Is Tony Pollard going to run for 1400 yards this year and hit eight home runs? And by eight home runs, guys, I just mean like, you know, eight 50 yard runs. And then be like, well, yeah, we don't want to pay him, you know, like, at least, does that make at, the sport better? Does this make no. the sport better? No. And I think the NFL eventually is going to have to find ways to get these guys paid earlier. And I know mm-hmm. I was talking to you on the phone about this, but like, I think the solution that we're eventually going to get to, it's not going to be for a while, but I think players are going to be able to get paid after their second year. Now that doesn't mean, necessarily mean that, they're going to make it where all players are free agents after their second year. But I wouldn't be surprised if you are allowed to negotiate with a player after the second year so that you can give them a pay bump early and maybe the team can get some cap-friendly stuff down the road. So I could have seen a situation with the Cowboys after the 2020 season with Pollard. They're like, hey, we like you. Let's give you a you know a two-year extension with $12 million guaranteed. He puts some money in your pocket. Um, because as a fourth round pick, those guys don't make anything. And I feel for like somebody, I'll give you a name, Isaiah Pacheco, right? He's on this trajectory where he's a good player, but he's not a top 10 player. So he's not going to ever make 
$10 million a year for the Chiefs, right? But he was an old player coming out. I think he was 24 as a rookie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. age 24, 25, 26, mm-hmm. 27. He'd be going into his age 28 season when he's a free agent. No team is going to give him any sort of money in free agency. He's the guy that I feel bad for more so than Saquon Barkley, who was a first-round pick and a number two overall pick, or Josh Jacobs, who was a first-round pick. It's those players that I feel worse for. Let's take Saquon real quick. It's kind of there's one of two last points I have on this. Uh, what did Trayvon Diggs get paid? Uh, I think overall it was like a five-year, hundred million dollar extension, but it was really a two-year, thirty-four million dollar extension. Okay, so seventeen million dollars. Yep. Do you think Trayvon Diggs? Do you think Saquon Barkley could do what Trayvon Diggs does? No. I don't either. It's really hard. Do you think Trayvon Diggs could do what Saquon Barkley does? No. Nor do I. Now, the next argument that I always hear is, yeah, but teams can easily go get another running back, and they can't get another corner. That's not true. You can get another corner. He's just not going to be as good, just like you can get another running back, and he's not going to be as good. Now, maybe the disparity between Trayvon Diggs and his replacement is greater than Barkley and his. I think think that's that's the argument you're making. Yes. But my argument is what you're not considering is the number of these guys on the field. If Saquon Barkley's replacement really does a poor job, that's the one running back that's on the field. It's going to make a big difference. Trayvon Diggs is one of three or four corners on the field at one time. If Trayvon Diggs does a good job locking his guy down, which he's not really a lockdown corner, guess what? You throw the ball elsewhere, don't you? You can still win. I, I so just what I'm saying just, is they only they only consider the one side of the argument is the replacement almost as good as the starter. Right. They don't consider that there's only one running back on the field and there's three wide receivers, there's two guards, there's three defensive backs. But at the same time, that's what makes them so valuable. So you have to start you have to start three corners. If you can get an elite one, there's only a handful of elite corners out there, and that's why they get paid so much. Right, but if there's three corners or there's two guards or there's four wide receivers, if one of your guards or one of your receivers or one of your corners doesn't play well, it can be mitigated by everybody else. If your one running back keeps fumbling or your one running back keeps missing the backside hole, it's killing your team. It is, but it's probably easier to cut that guy and go sign a vet free agent that can do that stuff at a bare minimum. I think that's the argument for the running backs don't matter because even look at free agency right now. I mean, I know these guys aren't great, but Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, I think can give you solid NFL production this year if you need it. I'm not sure there's a corner out there right now that can give you starting caliber snaps in free agency right now or else they'd be on a team. I don't know. I think Terrence Newman could do. He's like 60. Yeah, you know, you're right. I give, I'll, I'll concede there. <laughs> you're going to concede that. So, you know, look, that really by that's I've, I've spoken my piece here, you know, but I, I think this is changing football. I have no problem with the Twitter crowd or obviously analytics people or GMs if their argument is, you know, it's just a better bet for us right now to pay a second contract on a uh, catch pass catching tight end versus running back because of our philosophy and other different things. But it's a whole different deal when you have a certifiably great player already being dumped on publicly by his team. Yep. And you have a whole swath of football fans who all just <laughs> deride these players. I don't blame them at all for feeling like, what about us? I really don't. Yep. 
Yeah, and I, I agree. I I feel again. I'm going to say this again. I feel worse for the guys that are like in that third and fourth tier running backs. Mm-hmm. They're just going to get lost in the shuffle. And a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, who was a seventh round pick, making eight hundred thousand a year, he's probably never going to see a second payday. And it's because of his age. Those are the guys I feel for. Well, I think this is we've done like three out of our last four podcasts have been. Yeah, I think we're done with running backs, right? Well, no, it's been the business of football because yeah. we talked about quarterback contracts. Um, and I, I understand that, like, that's not only the only thing you ever want to talk about. But I think one thing that you and I have been really concerned about since we did this podcast is really how to team build. You know, it really is, isn't it? It's football theory. It's yep. it's it's football grad school, whatever you want to call it. If you don't look at these things, if you don't look at the changing shapes of NFL players and you don't look at uh, the way that, that the finances of the teams go, um, then you're, you're not really going to understand why certain things are happening the way, the way they are in the league. And uh, that's why I think it's important what you say about quarterbacks being underpaid. I, I think it's that's, true. That's, they actually are, you know. Uh, before we go, we're at the 53rd minute of this podcast, which means probably nobody's listening. Can we show you some football cards before we go? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about Oppenheimer. Go ahead. No, no. That's, that, Did you see Barbie yet? Play. No, I haven't. Okay. All right, here's football cards. Two of them. What do you think? Well, it's that same deal again where it's the same exact photo, but one's got a green border and one has a baby blue border. So yeah. let me guess. One is rarer than the other. Yeah, this one is out of 199. You could probably see that right there. Is that a CD one... lamb? Yeah, that's a CD lamb. That's out Okay, of what's the other one? That's a CD lamb. That one's out of what? 75. So this one's a okay, little bit more. Okay, so rare. I have a I have a strong opinion that I'd like to go to Twitter with. Yeah, okay. Since the green bordered one is one out of 75 and the light blue bordered CD Lamb card is one out of 199, I'd like to start a hashtag. Light blue bordered CD Lamb cards don't matter. That's fine. That's fine. I also picked up this nice CD Lamb purple, but Yeah. I'm done. That's it. That's all I have. Uh, remember my, you know what my best argument was when we were on the phone and I didn't even think of it while we were talking that in like 2000, whatever Kyle Kozar, if like Kyle Kozar would have been paid more than like Saquon Barkley, Marco you know? Rivera, Marco Rivera. Rivera. <laughs> yes. It's just unbelievable. So That's if you're right. an analytics person, I apologize. I, I use like one person uh, on all of y'all. I'm sorry. It's not, it's, it, well, it is my fault. Um, but uh, I'll try not to get this fired up next time. That's fine. No more, no more, no more business of football talk. That's fine. And we Let's... can't, we can't bring back negative Nancy week like we had. Like, yeah, a no, no, no. We're gonna be talking about actual football stuff, like real actual football stuff. The next couple <laughs> that was on, that was on the other night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opposite. I have a, I have jumped to conclusions, Matt. On order. <laughs> Did you know that Swing Line started making a red stapler because of that movie? Did you know that? They didn't actually make a red stapler. They should. Yeah. Okay. We, right, we really it. are done. By the way, Marcus, if you hadn't figured it out, we had so much Cowboys talk. Uh, although they were a great example for this discussion. Uh, you can hear more of that on Locked on Cowboys. He does host that with Landon McCool. Give Landon a follow. Marcus also covers the Raiders and Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams uh, for USA Today. Raiders Wire, any rights for profootballfocus.com. He's at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I am at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you guys very, very soon. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.